What's up, guys? Tonight we have an exciting episode with Ron Corey, who was a Marine and an entrepreneur of all entrepreneurs. The man has had 20 businesses, including casinos, car dealerships, being a realtor, uh, limousine company. I mean, you name it. Now he's got real estate that he owns the land under casinos that pay him triple net leases and just super cool as well as an author. And I just bought his book, so it's going to be super cool. Definitely check this out. And as always, show notes are found at frommilitarytomillionaire.com slash podcast. Now relax and enjoy the show. You're listening to the Military Millionaire Podcast, a show about real estate investing for the working class. Stay tuned as we explore ways to help you improve your finances, build wealth through real estate, and become a person that is worth knowing. Hey, what's up, guys? Today's episode is brought to you by Fiverr. And Fiverr, for those of you who are not familiar, is a website full of freelancers and virtual assistants who can help you with your business. For example, the intro for my podcast was recorded and edited and the music provided by a freelancer on Fiverr for less than $40. The logo on my website, freelancer, less than $40. I have done a lot of fancy infographics for under $5 a piece I've had. I found a editor for my YouTube channel. Fiverr has basically any task you could ever want to outsource can be found at fiverr.com. That is fiverr.com. And if you go in the show notes, there is a link that will take you out there and take a look around guys. It is a very, very good way to save yourself some time, which is huge. And they may be better at the task than you are. So you never know. Definitely check out fiverr.com. They have saved me so much hassle, so much time, and help me produce better content for you, my listeners. Now, without further ado, enjoy the episode. Hey, what's up, everybody? It's Dave with from Military to Millionaire, and I am here with Ron Corey, who has done everything. He was in the Marine Corps, and then in the time since then, he's owned up to 20 businesses, including being a, a car dealer, a casino owner, limo driver, a car dealership owner, realtor. Uh, the list goes on and on and on, and most recently, a published author with the book Tenacity, and uh, just a fun, fun conversation. So, Ron, thank you very much for joining us tonight. Hi, Dave. Thanks for having me with you. Absolutely. Why don't you uh, tell a little bit about your story, because, uh, well, I couldn't do it justice. It sounds like a good time. All right, I will. Uh, well, I was uh, attending college in New York City when I grew weary of the college environment and decided to join the Marine Corps. I was 19 and I enlisted towards the end of the Vietnam War. And um, the book Tenacity goes through a great deal of detail about growing up in New York, how I ended up in Las Vegas, and some very unique roller coaster ride type scenarios that confronted me, which I spend a great deal of time in the book describing how military training, uh, a level of discipline, perseverance, and diligence helped me overcome some obstacles, which uh, grew to a level of actually being at risk for spending many years in prison by being set up by a corrupt councilman in a small town adjacent to Las Vegas who had a similarly corrupt police detective to do his bidding 
and all with the goal of doing away with me as a business competitor in private business. And the story starts out with you right next to me at my preliminary hearing and takes you through how I got in that position from growing up in New York uh, as a little kid getting a shine box for Christmas, wanting to make money with it when I was 12 years old and shining shoes at a subway stop before school for 10 cents a shine. That's taking you back into the 60s, which a lot of your guys are going to think I'm really old. But uh, it, takes, it takes you through enlisting. And then prior to getting out of boot camp, President Nixon at the time announced the de-escalation of the Vietnam War. And many of your old timers will know that that means no one else would go over and so many thousand a month. So a buddy of mine that I met in boot camp, and we were stationed together initially, got reassigned, forced to go to directly to Vietnam, and we ended up in a, a city in California called Barstow, which is a main supply center in the middle of the desert yep. because of the lack of moisture and rust. A buddy of mine and myself were stationed in Barstow, and we would hit Las Vegas on weekends. When our active duty term expired, we moved to Vegas to give it a shot. We went to work, and after about six years, uh, we purchased a tavern together. The way I found the tavern has a lot to do with the theme of your show, which is real estate. In uh, 1976, I became a realtor while dealing at the Tropicana Hotel at night. So I had a great farm of clients. All the bartenders and waitresses and dealers at the Tropicana knew that this kid in the blackjack pit was a realtor, so I would sell real estate by day and deal at night, and uh, dealt all the games but poker. And as a result of working that real estate market, I ended up finding a tavern for sale that my buddy and I were able to purchase. And that put us in the tavern and gaming business, which we would take that one business and parlay it into many other businesses, which spread the gamut from four total gaming properties to a printing company, a wholesale glass and mirror company, and we opened Presidential Limousine Service in Las Vegas, a company which is still the premier tuxedoed chauffeur limo service in town. Um, we ran those businesses for many years, which takes you through the opening of one gaming property that I was developing from the ground up where I encountered this corrupt councilman who had a competing graphics company to ours. To do away with me as a competitor, they staged a criminal frame job to try to do away with me. And the book takes you through me hiring an undercover private investigator, going undercover and befriending the guy that they staged to make accusations, and over the course of a two-year undercover operation, ultimately, we got a resolution, which I don't want to be a spoiler to the book, but some of the things that occurred in this operation, your, your viewers would find very interesting. Yeah, that's pretty cool. Now, after that gaming property opened, uh, I ended up uh, operating all those businesses with my partner from the Marine Corps, and then after doing that for some many years, he retired, we sold that business, and all the businesses we operated, we ended up buying the property that we operated on. And that is an integral part 
of something your viewers might find interesting. When you yeah. can make a deal to operate a business, you're not only finding a niche for the business or product that you think you can offer that your community is going to have a taste for, but if there's any way to do it, try to find the property to operate from. So you could be the landlord and the tenant, operate the business, and if you get tired of running it or you get a great offer, as happened with us, we sold the business to someone for a great multiple of our annual earnings, and we kept the property and collected rent. Yeah. As time went on, I got into the car business, opened the Hyundai dealership in 2010, and a buddy of mine from Texas that was in the car business moved to Las Vegas. We went into the car business together and parlayed that into seven car dealerships, which I sold in 2015, sat down and started writing my story, and the book got published in January of 2019. And that's what brings us together. I I really like that you mentioned the buying the land out from under the business. I think that's brilliant. That's the, uh, is it Ray Kroc, the McDonald's? Uh, he was quoted once saying that he's not in the hamburger industry, he's in the real estate industry because he always owned the real estate. Yeah, yeah. That's a fact. There's nothing like owning the real estate where you're operating a business. Or if you're not business inclined, you don't want to have a lot of employees, I think there's a great market in something else I did, which was as a realtor, I would be able to apply my commission to the purchase of a residential property. And I built a portfolio of a couple of dozen residential rentals because uh, when, you, when you try to identify a niche for a new business, well, there's another niche. And that's the fact that no matter what people are doing, they've got to live somewhere. And there's always going to be a market for a residential rental. You just have to find the right price range where your rental income minus your expenses to operate will show you a positive cash flow. Crunch some numbers and it's amazing how you can acquire multiple properties over the course of time when you really started out with very little. But as you build equity and you could borrow and leverage against those properties, you can grow your portfolio to dramatic sizes. Yeah, that's actually really cool. Uh, and, and also as a realtor, you have like the inside scoop. So, you know, if you see a good deal come along, you've got essentially first dibs. You can snag it before anyone else is hunting it down. You know what? When I was uh, dealing, it was my 21 pit boss that asked me to find him a bar because his daughter was a bartender and he wanted to buy a bar for her to run and he would be the owner. In looking for a bar for him to buy, I found one. He decided he didn't like the location. And it was that very tavern that I ended up buying myself. And I couldn't afford to buy it at the time. The down payment the guy wanted for the bar turned out to be exactly the amount I was selling a fellow dealer's investment property for, bringing him his net check. And the number was $35,000. And I said to this fella, what are you going to do with this money? He said he was going to put it in a bank. I offered him twice the interest the bank would pay. He signed it over to me. I put the down payment on the bar. The seller carried the paper. And we parlayed that one small tavern into over $40 million in property over the course of 20 years. I mean, it's, 
I, I got to pinch myself because I can't believe I got this lucky to reach this level of success in business. But I think anybody can do it if they demonstrate some diligence and perseverance. Well, you showed a couple different things there. Number one, you saw an opportunity where others didn't. The you know your pit boss didn't want to. He he didn't like the the location, and you went for it. Uh, but number two, you didn't have the money, and instead of saying, "Oh, I can't do that," you found a way to make it work. Uh, you know, you negotiated with somebody and gave them a good return, so it was a win-win for everybody. And you were able to. I mean, and and the fact that you did the seller carry, which I think is cool. A lot of people don't. Um, my first, uh, I bought a 10 unit and I got the seller to carry the down payment for me because I didn't have the money for everything. Mm-hmm. And I think that's a brilliant strategy as long as the numbers work to right. get started. Yeah. Well, if, if any of your viewers decide to get tenacity, they'll see how we got our second location, which took uh, some luck, finding money at the right time, and also taking, unfortunately, taking advantage of the seller's mis- misfortune, which grew to be our advantage. But, you know, he had some problems and we were able to negotiate the price of the that tavern from a quarter million dollars down to $90,000 because he wanted quick cash. And the only way to get it was to reduce the price. And the story of how that happened has its own chapter in the book which I think anybody thinking about investing would find that chapter extremely interesting. Oh yeah, absolutely. Negotiations is awesome. And I mean, you said, you know, unfortunately for them, but the reality is he needed quick cash and you found a solution. I mean, sure. He didn't get $250,000 for it, but you helped him solve his problem. Right. Exactly. Exactly. And you know, the down payment for that place, uh, I borrowed money from a fellow bar owner who was quite a bit older than me. He was pretty well healed financially. He actually wanted to buy that tavern, but we already had it in contract. So he loaned me $100,000 to make the down payment and remodel it to get it opened. But what he really wanted was a piece of the place. Mm. So when I told him I already had a partner, I wasn't looking for another partner. I just wanted to borrow the money. He created terms that was so hard to meet, I would end up saying, okay, I can't make the payments. I'll just give you a piece of the place instead. For $100,000, he wanted 20% interest all due in one year. And I had confidence in my buddy and my ability to turn that place around and make the nut. So I signed the note, got the 100 grand, put the 60 down, and used the rest to clean up the place and get it opened. And do you know, we paid that hundred grand back in six months. And his exact words to me were, kid, if I thought you'd pay this early, I would have put in a prepayment penalty. (laughs) I was sure you'd give me 33% of that bar when you couldn't make the payments. Oh, man. And and this book goes through that whole story, too. Oh, that's cool. I mean, you've you've literally done. So I guess I would I would have to ask in all of I mean, you've you've been in essentially every like sales related type of business I can think of. It sounds like from homes to cars, to uh, services, to, uh, you know, what, what's been your favorite? What do you, what do you think? Like through all the industries, what has been the one that you enjoyed the most? 
Wow. You know, you find the enjoyment in a lot of different ways. And guys that haven't taken that step yet are going to think it's always money. But it's not always money. It's funny that uh, over time, it's overcoming the challenges and the sense of success and reward at the end of the day that you overcame an obstacle is, is almost greater gratification than making 100000 or 200000 a year off a business that you buy or open. So uh, to answer the question, the money was probably the best return on investment in the new car business. But that's also volatile. It's cyclical. Yeah. You know, right now, I don't think the new car business is as good as it used to be when we got into it nine years ago. Uh, the Internet has changed that market a great deal. Uh, people walk on a lot now, and you're, you're not actually showing them your inventory. They already looked up your inventory online. True. They know what the average price is that it's going to sell for. They know what they're willing to pay. And in many cases, they've already arranged their financing. These, these factors are all little areas that you used to make a little extra money on a deal. So oh, yeah. it is tougher to be in that business, but I enjoyed that business very much. It was great being in a bar business. You know, I, I was having drinks and playing pool with customers, but I was working. And uh, for fun, the tavern business and gaming business was very fun and exciting. For making a great return on investment, I have to say it was the new car business. I can imagine the gaming business would be fun. Absolutely. Like yeah, you said, you're, you're networking and you're working and you're just drinking and playing pool. Yeah. Yeah. Everybody thinks it's partying. The thing is they're partying with me till three in the morning, but they're not there at nine o'clock when I go in to do the bank business and the ordering and uh, overseeing the janitorial crew. <laughs> it's, it's a 24 seven business. And then in the middle of the day, if I've got the time, I'd go out and show houses to clients to try to make an extra buck. Mm. to be willing to work hard, but I'll tell you what, if you make good choices and you're smart with your, with your decisions, you demonstrate the kind of military uh, diligence that, that you're trained with, success is not that hard to reach. Yeah. Yeah, that's, I mean, that's, <laughs> I love, I love, yeah, you're right. And it's, so for, I know you said the, you mentioned the internet, um, but it's kind of crazy to think about how much that's changed for cars and stuff. I mean, I know for especially financing, right? Like the financing of vehicles, that's where I would imagine a lot of the money is made in the car business that people don't think about. Right. And oh, absolutely. Hey guys, on this podcast, we talk a lot about the roadblock to success for military members and getting started in real estate investing. For many of us, the barriers of time, location, and not having the right knowledge keep us from building wealth while serving our country. Well, let me tell you about Storehouse 310 Ventures. They get it. Storehouse 310 Ventures is owned by two active duty naval officers that love to make investing fun, lucrative, and have a passion for education, theirs and yours alike. They offer full turnkey rental properties in a market where the numbers make sense, Milwaukee, Wisconsin. Yes, Milwaukee, home to the almost 2018 division titled Milwaukee Brewers, the well-known Miller Brewing Company, and a lot of delicious cheese. Storehouse 310's properties are fully renovated, leased, and have property management in place. 
Through their rigorous analysis and selection process, they do everything possible to ensure each rental property meets their high standards and offers fantastic returns. Storehouse 310s allows you to invest with confidence while you are living out of state. They have a network of lenders, insurance companies, contractors, a title company, and much more to serve you all along the way. There is absolutely no reason not to get started when you have the right teams and system in place. David and Stu, the owners of Storehouse 310, have been investing themselves for over 15 years. They are on a mission to help as many active duty, reserves, and military veterans create financial freedom through the power of real estate investing. They are honest, transparent, and they prioritize service and giving. They have even committed to give the first 10% of their profits to partner nonprofit organizations that support veteran causes. For more information about their program, send an email to podcast at storehouse310turnkey.com. Again, that is podcast at storehouse310turnkey.com. Tell David and Stu you heard about them through the Military Millionaire Podcast, and they will get you going down the right path. Absolutely. There's, there's aspects of the car business where money can be made in different, different areas of the sale. And it, it has just gotten tougher over the years. It's probably still a great business. I've been out of it for five years, but uh, now I find myself marketing a book, something I never thought 20 years ago I'd be doing. Yeah. Uh, it's a whole different beast, but it's, I mean, you got to stay busy, right? Yeah. What a, if you had to pick one trait, I mean, I guess tenacity perhaps, but what, what trait or traits do you think the military, like what do you think they did to best suit you for the world? Well, unlike the tavern business today, uh, it's really a social environment. People need to realize what they've grown up with the last 10 years is a very strong enforcement of drinking and driving laws where nobody wants to get a DUI. You know, you, 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 God forbid someone gets in a wreck and they're over the legal limit and someone in the wreck dies, they're being charged with murder. Yeah. They, uh, the people don't understand that 30 years ago, if you got pulled over drunk, the cops would give you a ride home or they'd take your keys and call you a cab. It's just a different time. And I'm, I'm not saying one is better than the other. I'm just saying it was a different time. Yeah. So, so something that's, that's critical to understand is, is, and to answer your question, back in the day when I got the first tavern in 1979, people were pounding down drinks for 10 hours, you know? And what happens when people drink a little too much? They get on the muscle. And I have to say, having served in the Marine Corps, I learned how to handle myself. And to run a bar that's successful you need it to be clean and comfortable, and you need to keep the peace. So if unescorted ladies wanted to come in, they felt like this was a safe place to go and not get harassed. Well, if you run a tight ship, you get the unescorted ladies in, and the men follow, and you end up with a bar full of customers. But that's not going to happen if you can't handle yourself. So to answer your question, the military helped put me in a, in a physique and a shape and an ability to handle myself that I could run a bar in a way that was known as a tight ship and a fun place to go. And the owner didn't let people get out of line if they overdrank. Now, over time, it was that very scenario about drinking that made me think I should open a limousine company. Because in the mid 80s, as drinking and driving enforcement became a reality, more and more people would call a, a car and a driver or a cab and if they knew they were going out for a night, they would hire a car and a driver. 
which actually created a market for presidential limousine service. It was a little bit more per hour, but my feeling, my theory was, I wanted to offer a higher class of service, so all my chauffeurs were in tuxedos. Even though every stretch limousine comes with a wooden bar structure, because I had bars all around town, my limos were stocked. We had ice in the ice chests, water and mixes on the bar, and on the way to pick you up, the driver would stop at a liquor store, pick up what you ordered, and you'd reimburse him directly, which kept me from having to get a liquor license for that business. So you see a niche when a, when a market is created, such as drinking and driving enforcement, and you could find a business out of that, which is, which is how that developed. Yeah, that's, uh, there's a book called Blue Ocean Strategy that kind of talks about that, like when you see new emerging markets and how to take advantage of them. And mm -hmm. I think that's, I mean, that's brilliant to be able to make that pivot. They're like, oh, hey, I see this as a problem and I see that as a solution. And to be able to make that, I think the ability to be decisive and take action on that. Um, I mean, clearly if the, the business is still running in Vegas, I'm going to, I'm going to have to go to Vegas and rent a limo now just so I can be like, Hey, I know, I know this. <laughs> um, but clearly it was a good idea. And right. I mean, you had probably had no idea when you first started that, whether it would work out. And I would imagine buying limousines is probably not the most like normal purchase for somebody to be like, Oh yeah, let's go buy some limousines. <laughs> um, but you made it happen. Well, something that your viewers might find interesting is when I decided to go into the limousine business, people hear stories about going into transportation and how the existing companies don't like anybody new coming into their market. I encounter that. I actually encounter debt threats if I dare do my application process. Jeez. And uh, some very interesting twists and turns in the story where I called the chapters called limo wars in tenacity. <laughs> and uh, when I found out or figured out who it was that was uh, leaving death threats on my home phone, I caught him alone in an elevator one day, an elevator that had no cameras, no pain in the, pain in the ass video surveillance system. And I persuaded him, uh, <laughs> as you could imagine, that the threats against my life and my family should stop immediately, or this would not be the worst day of his life. It would turn out to be one of his best. And lo and behold, the threat stopped. Um, there's much more detail in the book. So I'll leave that as a teaser. Persuasion. I like it. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. But that, I, I like the fact too, that you, you thought, Oh, Hey, how do I get around this liquor law? That's something they do in, uh, in Hawaii where, it's so hard to get liquor licenses that places will just like there was one of my favorite pizza places on the north shore of the island was just a byob so it was just people would they had local band they had great food and people would bring coolers in and drink and watch the show and uh so i think that's really interesting that you were able to find a way around that by just having the driver pick up alcohol for them and be reimbursed so that there was no you know you weren't bending the rules that's probably gave you a, an edge up for sure on competition that wasn't thinking that way. Absolutely. We could, we could advertise that our cars were fully stocked bars and a single stem red rose for every lady in the group. Little, little things that made people call presidential instead of one of the competitors. Mm. Got us off the ground. And then a couple of years later, 
I got offered a great price to sell the company to one of the very competitors that tried to oppose me. Mm. And I parlayed the purchase or the sale of that limo company into a new gaming property. The, cool. the, yeah, the book goes into all that detail as well. I, I love that it's just like one thing after the next where you just, a lot of people would have had the success and got an offer to sell and that would have been it. They would have like taken their check and said, woohoo, I made it. And, um, and then it would be gone and they'd be telling the, Oh, well I did do this, but now I, I don't know. Um, I think it was really cool that you were able to keep the momentum going through everything and keep rolling it into the next, uh, I mean, like you said, a a $40 million worth of, uh, real estate and businesses, which is just, I mean, that's very impressive. Dave, you never want to outlive your money. You know, you take that money and run when you're, when you're not working and earning, you're spending. Mm. And whatever you might have sold that business for, it's going to run out. So that was something I always lived by. Always want to be earning. Yeah. That's, yeah, that's, I, I love it. Uh, and the great thing, and the great thing about real estate is once you can make a deal to own it, you have this unseen advantage, which is called appreciation. Just by owning it, you're gaining value. Now, granted, it's on your balance sheet. It's not in the form of cash flow, but you're gaining equity in appreciation while whatever you're doing with the property might also gain you some immediate cash flow in the form of rents. But that's a great thing about real estate. Yeah. Appreciation is definitely a bonus. Um, And so do you still own some of the, the real estate that you've had for years or when you started selling everything off and retiring, did you keep hold on to that or did you I sold like, some and I kept some so I, I know the Vegas market has been uh, pretty wild here over the last couple of years with the uh, with the Raiders coming in oh yeah the the uh, housing is going crazy commercial property industrial property warehousing uh, it, the market is is really strong right now in Las Vegas it's really cool to think that you've been able to own this real estate for this long that now you know at this point with the way that the market's gone that the rental income from that, I would imagine, I mean, you've got all this, all these assets and the book and everything else, but the rental income is probably enough to fund whatever you want to do at this point. Um, oh, absolutely. But, oh, you were saying you have the, you still have the lease under one of your gaming casinos. Yeah. The, the uh, chain of bars that bought the last property was not of a mind to buy the real estate. They just wanted the gaming license, tavern license and location. So my buddy and I from the Marine Corps and I got the property and we collect a great rent check every month. They pay like clockwork and it's a triple net lease, which means all the other expenses are passed through to them. I don't have to repair a roof, pay property taxes, pay insurance. Uh, All the expenses are passed through. And I think that's very important when you do a lease deal is to try to negotiate a triple net. So whatever rent you collect is net to you. Well, and what a beautiful business to have for a triple net lease too, because you know that with how lucrative that business model is that they're not ever going to let it lapse. And if they do, you get to inherit a pretty awesome asset. Oh yeah. The, The tavern and gaming licenses are address specific. So no one is going to not pay the rent because you don't just get back the property. Yeah. You have a site for a, a casino gaming license and a tavern, which there's a lot of value in. Oh, yeah. So it's, 
and they've got a hundred locations. They're never gonna, they're never gonna fail. My grandkids will be collecting rent on this one. Yeah, that's that's awesome. That's a, such a cool way to exit that where you've just got a property that you own free and clear, and it just pays for eternity. I mean, that's yeah. and it appreciates, like you said. I mean, that's just really really cool. I think that's like the ultimate level of real estate investing. Like there's all kinds of great stuff and, and syndications and big apartments are really fun and sexy and everyone loves to talk about buying that. But triple net leases are, if you own a triple net lease that cash flows, you don't ever have to do anything but pay property taxes and, and right. you know, any, any loan on it. And that's, I think that's really cool. No, absolutely. Uh, aside from the one gaming property, my, my other partner and I, sold one of the car dealerships and that guy didn't want to buy the property. So that's a very handsome rent each month. And that's another location specific business specific site because you can't just put a car, a new car franchise anywhere. So that's another site that's never going to fail. And uh, the, the, the cash flow rent on, on that property is great while the property goes up approximately a million dollars a year in value. Oh, yeah. You can't complain about that. You're not seeing anybody complaining here in this year. I mean, that's just crazy to think people, I mean, there are people listening to this. So the, the show is called the Military Millionaire Podcast, and that is the goal, right? To earn a million dollars and to right. think that you own a piece of land that appreciates that much without you even touching it. Like right. that's, that's the dream, right? That's the, that's the freedom that real estate can buy you if purchased, right? And businesses. Exactly. I mean, I got a kick out of operating businesses, but you know, everything runs its course. As much of a thrill as it was running the different businesses we opened or purchased, there was a point in time where I wanted to do something else with my time. So much time in the day and you hand it off to managers or you sell the business and you spend your time somewhere else. So um, I, I found that that's what worked for me. Now, there are many people who are highly successful they open one business, whether it's a McDonald's franchise or a printing company or whatever it may be. And they do that their whole lives and their kids follow them in it and that's all they do. There's nothing wrong with that. I just needed to be challenged on an ongoing basis. I liked coming up with a concept, finding a site for it, determining the market existed that would support it and getting it open and running. And then after a couple of years of running it, hand it to a manager and go find a new challenge. Yeah. I love it. All right. Well, Ron, what, uh, what, like, I, I guess I would ask what advice would you give to a young service member or, or just young person in general who's looking to get started in whether that's real estate or investing or, or business? Um, like what, what piece of advice would you give to anyone looking to head down the entrepreneur path? Well, this may sound a little self-serving, but they need to go on Amazon and order the book Tenacity by Ron Corey because it is motivational, inspirational, and it's a true story. And it, it's not just a story about overcoming those obstacles, but it's a how-to entrepreneurial story. Aside from that, the general advice is to demonstrate a failure is not an option mentality and persevere to where if there's an obstacle, don't just take no for an answer. Figure out, a way, figure out a way around it, over it, or through it, because it is rare that you will encounter a hurdle that you cannot overcome. 
if you have the right attitude. I agree. I like the adapt and overcome mentality. I actually, ironically, just posted today. I on Twitter, I said I said something to that effect. Like, is failure an option for you? And here's an example of you know why it shouldn't be or whatever. So I totally agree. Yeah, I love the yeah. what's the Cortez the burn the ships mentality. Love it. <laughs> well, if uh, if I may, I'd like to ask your viewers to check out my website. Yeah, which is roncoreyauthor.com, and the last name is spelled C-O-U-R-Y. They can go on a website, learn more about the book, more about my story. There's a quick link there if they want to order the book on Amazon. Also, I used a Hollywood actor named Michael Madsen to do my audio book. And uh, apparently 25% of all books sold today are in audio form. And Michael Madsen from Reservoir Dogs and Donnie Brasco fame is the voice of tenacity. The book's available as Kindle, hardcover, paperback, or audio. And uh, they can get it on Amazon. It's also at barnesandnoble.com. And the website, again, is roncoreyauthor.com. Awesome. And I'll plug all that in the show notes. I'm going to go buy the audio book tonight. Uh, Ron, before we wrap this up, is there anything, uh, any parting advice or big ideas that you think we could have touched on? Well, uh, the business I'm currently in with tennis pro Andre Agassi is a company called Square Panda. It's an educational learning tool for children from two to eight years old to learn how to spell and read at a young age. And uh, any of your viewers that have young children might find uh, Square Panda as a great tool to help them learn. And they can find that on squarepanda.com or also on Amazon. I'll, uh, I'll plug that as well and I'll check that out. I have a youngster, so. We're launching that in China and India right now. And we're in over a thousand schools in the United States. Oh, that's so really cool. That's the project we're currently working on along with me trying to market this book. Well, you're on the right spot. No, <laughs> <laughs> I would love to think that this is that big of a show, but we shall see. No, uh, no, I, Ron, I really appreciate you taking some time to come out of your night to talk to me. This has been just a lot of fun for me. I normally talk to, uh, like we said before we started recruiting or recording, I normally speak to people who've done, you know, this business or this business or maybe one or two little things. Uh, mm -hmm. But it's really cool to be able to talk to someone who's been in almost every sales industry that you can think of and has had success in, I mean, 20 different businesses, 20 plus at this point. Um, yeah. And that's really well, cool. Well, I'd like to thank you for offering me the opportunity to meet you and talk to your viewers. And I hope if you ever hit Vegas, you look me up. I will. I definitely will. All right, Dave. Thank you very much. Yes, sir. Have a great night. Good night. Thank you for listening to another episode about my journey from military to millionaire. If you liked it, be sure to visit from militarymillionaire.com slash podcast to subscribe to future podcasts. While you're there, we'd love for you to rate the show, give us a review on iTunes. Now get out there and take action.